0: Hello and
1: welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
0: Hey Jonathan, how's it going?
1: It's going good. I'm feeling good today, Amy. Feeling good.
0: How's how's that?
1: Well it's it's Good Friday, so.
0: Oh, I see. Feeling
1: good. Yeah. I, That's how I it see.
0: Works. I see what you're doing. Okay. Yes. Well, great. Have you had a nice week at home?
1: Yes, another as we all week as we all stay at home. At home yes. yes, you know why it's Good Friday, Amy, right? Because Sunday's coming. That's right. That's right.
0: That's right. You know, as a kid, I didn't really know what Good Friday. I mean, I knew it was the Friday. Did before Did they Easter. not do that
1: in the Church of Christ?
0: Well, they did. I mean, they called it Good <laughs> Friday, but we okay. focused. We focused more on on. Easter Sunday, you know, was just kind of a, a thing there but there weren't Good Friday services or anything. And the the first Good Friday service I ever went to was when we were at Southern Seminary and Keith had his it, kind of like his uh it, it's like a like supervised ministry experience, you know, kind of thing where they have it's it, they do internships and things like that. Uh-huh. And so every weekend for this entire spring semester we would work all week and then on Friday afternoon, we would get in the car and we would drive up to Northern Kentucky, right over the river from Cincinnati. And we lived, we had an apartment in a retirement home and we were there all weekend long. And he was an assistant chaplain at, this, at a, these com, like retirement communities there in the huh. area. So we had our own little apartment there along with all of the I had friends I had my senior adult friends that I ate breakfast with on Saturday mornings while Keith was doing his chaplain thing. He did a Good Friday service at the retirement facility and he preached a sermon to the to the residents there and it was called What's what's so good about Good Friday? That's really cool. Yeah. And every that's Sunday, me. and and we went to a service at a nursing home every Sunday morning. That's where we went to church. So <laughs> it was a it was kind of a, a, a an interesting time and a, a lot of memories. But that was my first Good Friday service to ever attend.
1: Well, you know, there's another Good Friday service this year, so to speak. Yes, that's right. We have a Good Friday prayer gathering, an online prayer gathering, SBC online prayer gathering, happening today. We're releasing this early on Good Friday. So, people can listen to it and they can tune in to the right. Good Friday service at noon.
0: We should be clear because I know you keep saying today, but we're going to drop this. We're dropping this early on Good yes. Friday. We are actually recording this on Thursday because yes. it's going to be Thursday. Right, right. We are Thursday that feels like Thursday. a Monday. <laughs> yes. So, uh, every day feels like I'm a not Monday. Even, yeah, I'm not yeah. even. Okay. But. Yeah, so there's a Good Friday online prayer gathering that is happening. So when this drops Friday morning, it will be today. So hopefully some folks will have listened to this podcast in the morning and will we'll go and be a part of that. Or if you're listening to it a little bit later, some people, you know, maybe catch it over the weekend and you missed it, you can go back to it. Yes. So we would encourage that as well.
1: Yes. You can watch it at sbc.net slash pray or at the SBC Executive Committee Facebook page. We'll link to that. Check our social media. We'll be tweeting it out as well, putting on Facebook. So it'll be all over the place on Friday. We encourage you to do that and uh, join us there at noon. Dr. Floyd and his wife, Gina, will be leading the event on Friday, on Good Friday. Joining them will be Julio Adiola, who is the Executive Director of Hispanic Relations and Mobilizations here at the EC, uh, Marshall Osbury, First Vice President of the SBC, Jacob Boss, who is the Affinity Leader for European Peoples at the IMB, Paul Chitwood, President of the IMB, Kevin Izell, President of the North American Mission Board, Donna and Steve Gaines, who are over in the Memphis area. Steve, obviously a former SBC President and Pastor at Bellevue Baptist J.D. Greer, current SBC president. Jeremiah Lepasana, who's a lead pastor at the Bible Church International in Randolph, New Jersey. Marcy and Ronnie Parrott. And Ronnie is the lead pastor over at Christ Community Church in Huntersville, North Carolina. And Hayden Ratner, who's a senior pastor at Walk Church over in Las Vegas. So great lineup, Amy. Excited about that today. I'll be, uh, I'll be kind of monitoring that and running that. So pray for Jonathan and no technical issues while that's going
0: on. Very much so. I'll, I'll be praying along with the participants and praying for you in your efforts that there would be no technical issues.
1: Yes. So join us there, spc.net slash pray or the executive committee Facebook page. Again, we'll be doing uh, a lot of social media pushing to that. So you should be able to find that rather easily on social media or at spc.net slash pray. Hopefully you can join us noon central time. That's one o'clock your time, Amy.
0: That's right. That's right. I've That's already right. got plans. Mary is planning to join me. And we're going to throw that up on the TV in the den and watch that together and, and pray together. So
1: Yes. Awesome. All right. To the news, Amy. We have some news from Southwestern. Trustee meeting this week?
0: Yeah. So this is the second trustee meeting of uh, among the six seminaries of the spring and the second one to be meeting on in an online format so they met via video conference on tuesday april 7th and they approved a number of things including some structural changes that uh that involved the elimination of the School of Preaching. They re, they essentially rescinded the motion to create that uh, a few years back, and so they are folding that department back into the School of Theology.
1: Many have asked about Dr. Allen, who was serving as the Dean of the School of Preaching. He's staying on as Distinguished Professor of Preaching and Director of the Center for Text driven preaching. So he's he's still there, still doing everything he was doing before, uh, just not the deanship. So uh, that'll roll up under and merge with the school of theology, as you mentioned.
0: Right. And so in talking about that, President Greenway said that they remain fully devoted to training text driven preachers. And they, this is just about putting it sort of back under back as part of the school of theology so it's about where it fits in the structure
1: some other news from the trustee meeting they did not announce a budget amy they have pushed that back they they paused on passing a budget Uh, because they're going to wait and see kind of what the fallout of the COVID-19 global pandemic is. So they have a, a couple more months to kind of get that prepared, just so they have a better idea of what to do for the next year. So they push that back. They also authorize the administration to make distributions from the seminary's unrestricted endowment as needed because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. That's about a $13 million unrestricted endowment, or at least it was the last time it was presented. Um, The budget last year was $34.8 million. Uh, That's this current year. They said that they are expecting... Reductions of approximately 25% campus wide on that. So, but they have not finalized that because again, they are waiting. They also approved nine new degrees and revisions of several others and had some faculty announcements, Amy.
0: So they elected three faculty members who were already serving under presidential appointment. Jonathan Arnold was elected Associate Professor of Church History and Historical Theology, Chris Osborne, Professor of Preaching and Pastoral Ministry, and Carl Bradford, Assistant Professor of Evangelism. So these were faculty members that were already serving, but they were going through the process of election with the trustees. And additionally, they approved a recommendation to adopt the Nashville Statement, for the first time, and then reaffirm the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy and the Danvers Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood as official guiding documents that uh, express the seminary's convictional standards, expectations, and beliefs, and function as proper interpretations of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. So that's the the uh, the confession of faith that is signed by the faculty, but then these other three statements are adopted as interpretations of that or, or statements that go a little deeper into particular issues.
1: One final note of business was the re-election of Philip Levant as the chairman, Danny Roberts as the vice chairman, and Jamie Green as the secretary. So all three officers remain the same for the next year. So some other news out of Southwestern this week, uh, they released a statement on the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's something that uh, we have talked about here on, in the past on the podcast, the Dead Sea Scrolls that they have. They released a statement saying that they are likely fraudulent and that they might seek financial restitution uh, for those. The six fragments were purchased over two separate acquisitions uh, in 2010 during the previous administration of Dr. Paige Patterson. And uh, we have a story on that at Baptist Press and uh, the full statement from Southwestern. So if you're interested in that, uh, those links are over at sbcthisweek.com. Over to Lifeway, Amy. Uh, Big news regarding camps for June.
0: So Lifeway has announced that FUGE, Student Life, Student Life for Kids, Center Kids Camps, and World Changers projects scheduled for June have been canceled due to concerns stemming from the COVID-19 outbreak. They specifically are focusing on June They look ahead to any that are after that. It says that they're taking things week by week, and so at this stage they're just continuing to plan for their July and August camps until they, in, in, you know, until anything changes.
1: So they they have canceled June, July and August still right now on the books as happening. But this does not include Camp Crest Ridge and Camp Ridgecrest, the boys and girls camps that are hosted at Ridgecrest Camp and Conference Center up there in. Uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina. So those have not made a determination yet for the summer. So if you have kids that were planning on going to those, that's still kind of up in the air. We don't know about that yet, but we, if anything changes, obviously we'll bring that to you here yeah. on SBC so This Week. So
0: until you know, just plan, keep keep planning, kind of like we are with a lot of things now. Keep planning until till you know otherwise.
1: Yes. So and if uh, they change anything for July and August, you'll see it first at Baptist Press. And here later in the week, here on SBC this week, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? CP. Hey, we're we're doing okay, but we're we're still waiting. So we're at one hundred and one right. million and change in CP giving. One hundred one million, one hundred thirty-eight thousand, six hundred and eighty-six dollars and forty-three cents. Don't forget the forty-three cents as our total after six months. So really strong giving after six months. We were exceeding last year's budget contribution. We're 2.94% over budget for the year, but we're waiting on the fallout from COVID-19. So we don't know what yeah. that's going to be. So, But six months in, hey, we're in good place. We're in a good place.
0: That's right. Things are good. So here, here's, here's the good news, is that we come into any effects that might happen. We come into it, in, from a very good place. Yes. So we're in a good position going in, and then we just we just wait to see. We continue to see all the good things that are coming from Cooperative Program Ministries, and we just wait to see the, the effects of what we're doing right now, what we're yes. dealing with.
1: And, and just so you know, designated gifts, which is Lottie and Annie and some other things, those were pretty flat. I mean, they, they were pretty flat. They were .07 less than last year's. So, I mean, it, it's pretty flat. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, about $2.9 million above in the CP giving. We're pretty flat in designated giving. So, we, we just wait and see, because we don't really know what to expect. You know, we, we do expect a, a downturn, but we don't know what that's going to look like. So, uh, we, we just keep trusting that the Lord will provide for Cooperative Program Ministries here in the U.S. and across the world. That moves us to some other good news on the giving side, Amy. Uh, The anonymous donor has given $250,000 to Gateway Seminary to help students impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: That's right. So this is intended to assist with student scholarships, and it helps students to continue their studies. So, So they had done a survey of Gateway students that, found they are facing a variety of new challenges. And nearly half of the respondents expressed concerns about the financial consequences of the pandemic and their ability to continue their studies. And so what they did is they have a benevolence fund that assists. And through that, someone has stepped up to give a scholarship of this magnitude to help students. And I think that's an excellent thing.
1: That was very kind of you to do that, Amy. Very, very kind and generous of you. It was
0: supposed to be anonymous, so
1: (laughs) and it's not you, right?
0: (laughs) And it is still anonymous because it is not me.
1: That's right. right. Same here. Okay, but whoever did, thanks. That's uh, really helpful, and uh, we, you know, obviously love to see that at all our seminaries. So, uh, congratulations to Gateway on that. Over to North Carolina, Amy. Some some news from North Carolina.
0: Chuck, register executive leader for the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina's Church Planting and Missions Partnerships Group. He was named the new, This that's what he had been, he was named the new Associate Executive Director Treasurer on Tuesday. So the our state convention's executive committee had a meeting and voted to name him that. So he is no stranger to North Carolina Baptists um, in his position for a long time. He's been very present in the work there. Uh, so kind of a big deal.
1: So congratulations to Chuck Register. Uh, I've met him a couple times in North Carolina. So good to see that over in your home state, Amy. And the last story this week, uh, a friend of the pod, JT English named the new lead pastor at Storyline Fellowship. That that church name may ring a bell to some of our listeners because that's where Ben Mandrell was before he came to Lifeway. He had planted Storyline Fellowship a few years back, and the new pastor at Storyline there in the Arvada, Colorado area is J.T. English. He comes to Storyline from the Village Church in the Dallas area. So congratulations to J.T., Amy, I know you know JT from his time both at Village Church and at Southern before that. He'd worked for Dr. Mueller there in, uh, in Louisville. So uh, congratulations to JT on his move back out to uh, his home area. I don't know if you knew that. He grew up in Littleton, Colorado. I saw that online the other day. I did, did not, not know that.
0: Know. So no.
1: congrats to him. All right. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds.
0: We're going to go to 1951 to a little item in the April 9th edition of Baptist Press. Going way back,
1: aim Yeah. It's like 60 years.
0: It caught my attention. And uh, then I actually went to get sort of the update on this story. And that was what really sealed the deal for me to include this. When you look in there, it's on the first page toward the bottom, and it's yeah. a very small piece about Baylor University. So it, it the headline is, 10-story Bible building to be constructed at Baylor. And it laid out that there was this new building that was coming, and it said, Baylor University has called for construction bids on a proposed 10-story Tidwell Bible building. The structure will feature a tower faced with a wall of light Illuminating Biblical Designs, architect Guy Carlander of Amarillo said the 123 by 20 foot window will be the largest in the world. Now, that just got my attention because I thought, well, it's a big deal, largest window in the world. And I don't know really how it compares to windows now. So I decided to go and look.
1: That's pretty big, by the way.
0: Yes. So I That's decided big. to go and look, see if I could find a picture of it.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And what I found was a magazine article from the spring 2019 magazine that Baylor University has. And I learned that, uh, so they had a groundbreaking ceremony in May of 1949 for this building. And they had had all this fundraising, they had plans for it. But it was going to take four more years, really, for construction to begin, because they still had to raise the final 200000 and they had to, to work with the architect, Guy Carlander, who also happened to be Dr. Tidwell. It was named after uh, Josiah Blake Tidwell, who was the head of the Bible department. The architect was his son-in-law. And so it said he drew up plans for what would have been the tallest, most striking building on Baylor's campus, 10-story building, largest tracery window in the world, a glass wall of light 110 feet tall. Electrified images of a cross and a crown would appear inside this illuminated window with the push of a button.
1: That sounds cool.
0: So they put out for the construction bids, and that's what, that's what this article is about in fifty-one. Only one bid came back, and it was for $1.5 million, which was almost three times what they had available for it. And so trustees went back to Guy Carlander asking him. Back to the drawing board. (laughs) They asked him to downsize his plans to save money, and he said no and walked away from the table. Whoa. And so a new architect... Birch Easterwood came and designed a more modest building with only six floors above ground and a basement and no record breaking window. Mm. And so I was kinda sad when I read that. But, the but update. they do
1: have but they do have pictorial representations of the scriptures in carving.
0: Yes. Yes. They do. So sixty
1: eight limestone panels, each weighing a ton and carefully carved by talented craftsmen.
0: Yes, it's kind of yeah.
1: Should I read all the thirty-seven different uh, things that they have on there? No, yeah, I'm not going to probably not.
0: But um, so, I mean, I think there's a page
1: on the uh, on the Baylor website that tells all this stuff. Right, right.
0: Gives the story of the Tidwell Bible Building. So we'll include that as well. But I just I was fascinated by that largest window in the world planned, and then I wanted to go see it, and then realized. It never actually happened, but they were talking about it, sending out for those construction bids this week in SVC history. And that just tells you, I mean, sometimes we put things out there and they don't turn out exactly like we planned.
1: Yeah. How about that? Yeah. when Especially when the budget comes in three times the original expectation.
0: Right. It forces I can't you imagine to kind of go back that... to the drawing board. Right. I can't imagine what that meeting was like when they opened that up. Well, they
1: they originally had planned this in 1936, and it took them 18 years for it to happen. It didn't get done until the fall of 54. Yeah. They needed a million more in
0: 54. 54. Yeah. On that note.
1: Some people will get that joke.
0: I know. I know. Mm. Uh, But chances are high that if you listen to a podcast about the (laughs) SBC.
1: You get that joke.
0: The percentage will be higher than normal. And those who don't, just go look it up.
1: I can make those jokes here. Yes. All right. Speaking of making jokes that nobody gets, uh, that happened yesterday in my resource of the week, Amy. Facebook Live, Hans Dilbeck and Nathan Lork uh, did that with, uh, the Hans is the, the Oklahoma Baptist executive director. Executive Director Nathan in Colorado, he's the Executive Director out there in Colorado, had a great talk with them about how churches in their state are responding to COVID-19 and the pandemic, and how the state convention is helping each of those, and made a really bad joke about the Ponderosa, which is the name of the camp in Colorado, the state camp. Right. So
0: yeah, I heard the that,
1: joke. Yeah, that that like which, two generations which, of people will not get.
0: Right, which I... At watching the Facebook Live, Nathan Lorick didn't get did it, not but get Hans, yeah. Hans Dillbeck did.
1: Hans, I can count on Hans. I don't know what right. that says about the fact that like, the young guy didn't and the, the not as young guy did. So. Well,
0: it just depends. It wasn't like I sat around watching Bonanza all the time, but my, my grandparents did, and so it was on in their house.
1: So you just called Hans. Never mind. Anyway, that's my resource. I just mean me. it was our generation.
0: I'm just talking about our but generation. I, d- if I watched
1: the Ponderosa. If the, I,
0: I was more of a little house on the prairie. Person.
1: Both starring Michael Landon. By That's the way. right. That's right. right. Good transition okay. there. Your resource of the week, Amy?
0: Uh, mine is some Lifeway research that came out this week. Uh, the vast majority of pastors see signs of the end times in current events. So, this is a very current. Um, survey. It was a survey of 1,000 pastors from evangelical and historically black denominations. Now, it was conducted January 24th to February 11th, 2020. So this was sponsored by Chosen People Ministries, Alliance for the Peace of Jerusalem, Rich and Judy Hastings, and the Hendricks Center of Dallas Theological Seminary. And so they were looking at sort of current events just happening in general. I would be curious to see if they conducted this research now as we sit in a global pandemic and just so many things going on, if these numbers would be different um, or maybe even increase. But... They ask the questions uh, among these pastors Are any of the types, any of these types of current events, birth pains that Jesus was referring to when he was asked by his disciples when he would return? 83% said the rise of false prophets and false teachings, talking about current events. 81% um, said love of many believers growing cold. 79% said traditional morals becoming less accepted. wars and national conflicts, 76% earthquakes and other natural disasters, 75% the number of people abandoning their Christian faith, 70% said famines, 63% anti-Semitism toward Jewish people worldwide, only 11% said none of these. Hmm. So very high percentage of people almost 9 in 10 pastors seeing at least some current events matching those that Jesus said would occur shortly before he returns to earth. So it's just interesting. We don't have as many conversations about eschatology as we have at at different times um in the last, you know, few decades usually surrounding you know, either books that were coming out or, you know, things that were going on, but just a very interesting research project. And so there was a release about that. Uh, We ran a short version of it at Baptist Press, but then there's also a longer release at Lifeway Research's site, and you can download the entire project. So that's my resource.
1: All right. Very cool. So again, uh, as we end this episode, be sure to check out the SBC Good Friday online prayer gathering, sbc.net slash pray, or on the executive committee Facebook page uh, that is happening today. If you're listening to this one, we drop this on Friday, on Good Friday at noon central. So one o'clock Eastern, and you can calculate that however you need to, I you know, depending on your location. Yes. But if you live on God's time here in the central time zone, then, you know, you're good. Noon. Noon. Yeah. Central time zone is the best time zone, by the way.
0: I, I totally agree. I miss it always. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. I've never lived in mountain time. I, I think I would like mountain time, though, if everything is just an hour earlier.
0: Well, but,
1: but part of it things? has
0: part of it has to do with how, like, when news comes on and isn't it, is mountain time, does it go with when it's in the, the west? Because west I coast, know. I don't know. I don't, don't know. really know. It just, sets back. it just sets everything back. If you live in mountain
1: time, let back. us know. Is it better than central time? Maybe we can yeah, ask JT. Know. We should ask JT English. Because he's fixing yeah. to live in mountain time. You should ask
0: he's... Ben Mandrell, who had to go from mountain time to central time. I
1: should do that. Next time ask I ask him. him next thinks. time I see him. I, he's yep. preaching at my church this Sunday, but of course. I you won't, won't be,
0: be there. there. So
1: I'll be watching yep. at home on Easter, which is yes. weird. But... Necessary right now, right?
0: But happy Easter, and you know what? Yes. We're still going to wake up in our house and say, "He is risen."
1: He is risen to indeed. one another.
0: That's right, to one another. And uh, this is going to be a different Easter for so many of us. But um, you know, a couple of things to remember is all of us have in our churches. We have people who are shut-ins and have been for a long time, and so we're getting to sort of experience what the, an Easter That's Sunday true. is like for them. We can remember that celebrating the resurrection is uh, its the same. It is, it's the same wherever we are.
1: Yes. The tomb is still empty whether we are able to gather or not. That's right. And in that, we rejoice. All right, Amy, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next week.
0: See you next week.